hello and welcome to the Hospital of the Lotus Eaters. I'm joined today by patient zero. I'm fine. I'm at, I don't know what the fuss is about. And uh, He's coughing and sneezing in the corner, surrounded by uh, medical aid and Lucas aid. And our doctor, Harry. Yes. And, we're, and we're supposed to I, believe that I, he's perfect. I honestly fine. don't know what you guys are concerned about. And besides, that you'll risk, it us. is a risk that I am willing to take. Our health. Thanks, bro. Yes. Oh, cheers. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Uh, you're going to have to take the shirt off your face. I'm Do sorry. I have to? Can we not talk about the Irish like this? Is this not appropriate? Yeah. I mean, it's appropriate for you. Uh, whatever, fine. Gosh, fucking. Mm. If I get ill out for this, I'm gonna shut up. Us. No. Uh, right, today we're gonna be talking. We're gonna be talking. Sorry, sorry. You're 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 working. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> Look, you you carry on. A brilliant start already. You came with a bloody bag, like an actual bag full of medicine and chef syrup and an orange drink. I'm. I'm basically back to full strength at this point. Yeah, he says. Mm. Okay. Right. Well, um, F's in the chat to doubt that. Uh, we shall be talking about today Ireland doubling down, uh, being guilty of being Tommy Robinson, which is a, a grave crime. It is a mystical one. He's long been guilty of that, actually. Yeah. And uh, everyone is getting nice things but us, which I think. I think again, you're going to come in at the last minute and beat us down. But what? <laughs> I'm not just a black pill dispenser, okay? Yeah, well, you know, he's he's a sick yeah. pill dispenser. You know, I'm all right. I'm very racist against he's, people who he's are a, sick. So that's, Dan's a snot dispenser right now. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's, that's kind of acceptable hate, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what, hating sick people? Yes. But even those in wheelchairs? Well, even those people who aren't actually sick, but just haven't been... Oh, I can't even say it. I mean, we're not on YouTube right now, so... Oh, oh right, okay. Well, the law of lies. Yeah. I am unvaxxed. Who is that? Oh, right. And so am I. We're going we're gonna to get into that. What about you, Callum? Do you, are you did, a simp for Big Pharma? on holiday? Oh, I got the virus three times. I don't need a fucking vaccine. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hated that shit. I was just like, have you got the vaccine? I'm like, bro, I've been licking windows this whole time. <laughs> like, I am. That is true. You do lick windows. Callum yeah, was yeah, licking windows before window. COVID. It's, it's, uh, Callum's a full-time window licker. It's his life's purpose. Yeah, look, you guys laugh, but uh, when super COVID comes, I'll be fully prepared. I'm like mega facts. Anyway, we shall uh, begin. Oh, no, it's not a mild cold. It's a bad cold. <laughs> ah! Yeah, I hate bad colds. I mean, look at it. Oh, no, no, no. That was just <laughs> cherry flavor. I hate cherry flavor. Okay, sure. Anyway, Ireland has decided to double down, which is quite a response. Now, for people who don't know, you may have noticed there was a bit of an uprising quite recently in Ireland um, because, well, mass immigration caused problems. Who could have seen that coming? And the resentment built up until there was one incident, which was an Algerian man stabbing a bunch of kids. And instead of saying that this was our strength, people got a bit upset and started burning down uh, the neighborhoods in protest because they literally can't voice their opinion in politics properly anymore. So what's the response to that? What do you do if you're the prime minister of a country, but that's all just happened? You might think a couple of things. Um, I would have thought maybe we should tone it down a bit. Apologize and change tact. That would be a good one. Start the deportations. That, that would be nice as well. Mm. That's uh, a good idea. I've got a better idea. All right. You make it illegal to point out the problem. Well, that's another option. Yes. Um, so what I thought might happen is that they do the British government thing uh, for about a week, kind of ignore it if you can, put up some placards that say, you know, stronger together, you know, some kids getting stabbed is our strength. Some Get some like government-organized crowds to yeah. start chanting songs. What would, be, what would be the Irish equivalent of Don't Look Back in Anger? I don't know. Don't, don't Look Back in Anger? I don't know. Get to the IRA? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 
So the point being, they would sort of like hush hush for a bit, keep it, keep, keep it on the down low. And instead, yeah. that's not what's happened. The, the government has instead doubled down its position. Now, here is just the details that came out, because, of course, when we left off, it wasn't actually sure what had happened in the event. Uh, specifically, we didn't really know the chap's background. It was just a rumor that started a riot, and that was the story. Well, now it's been confirmed that this chap here is Algerian. As you see, suspect in Dublin stabbing was charged with knife possession May of this year, but never convicted. So that's, that's good news. Do you guys have any understanding as to why this was an issue in Ireland? Because in, in, in France, children just get stabbed fairly regularly and they just sort of gloss over it. Well, yeah, well, they imported a lot of Algeria. And uh, this well, is also... Ireland decided, well, if we did the same. Huh? Yeah, but it's not obvious to me as to why the Irish are reacting correctly, whereas the French are just like, oh, yes, more children. Two, two reasons. The uh, Irish, is this is a much more recent phenomenon for the Irish. For France, this has been happening for ages. Right. Ireland, it's very recent. Two, among European peoples, Irish are uniquely collectivist, as far as I can tell, because they have been subjugated. Well, they have ethnic consciousness. Right. Yeah, they've got ethnic consciousness. They recognize themselves ah. as a distinct people rather than a floating set of values. And so they see them. Yes. They're more likely to see themselves um, being attacked as being attacked. And I suppose they never went through that colonial phase, did they? I mean, apart well, from, they got colonized. Apart from the pubs that they sent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the point being, news came out. Um, guy was Algerian. Uh, he was meant to have been I don't know, charged with a crime this year. Wasn't. It was a knife possession charge. Uh, not new either. As you can see, there was more information that came out from the Irish Independent here, in which they say that an Algerian man uh, kidnapped and raped an Irish girl. This is in the year 2000. He got six years in prison, and the judge told him that if he was Irish, he would have been sentenced to 10. Uh, oh, well, so, he, so he explicitly said, don't worry, we're going easy on you because you're foreign. Yes, yeah, so you can see here, this is a long-running problem in the Western societies. We've documented it a lot, but it's a good example here of the Irish situation in which a judge literally told an Algerian criminal if he was Irish, he would have been actually thrown the book at. But because he's Algerian, ah. Oh, Boy, boy just had a little bit of a muck-up. We, we know you can't help yourself. And the uh, information also came out that the man in the case this time around, who was uh, somebody stabbing, as you can see there, uh, in the news, uh, this man, originally from Algeria, has been living in Ireland for the past two decades, and he got, took Irish citizenship more than a decade ago. So we're talking about the guy who actually sparks the uh, violence here. He moved to Ireland uh, 10 years after living there, got citizenship, lived there for another 10 years, goes on the stabbing rampage. And you might ask, well, why did it take 10 years? What was going on? Is he just as Irish as the famine? Uh, no, it turns out not. So he was issued with a deportation order in the year of 2003. Hmm. He should have been kicked out. He fought the deportation order with the help of non-governmental organizations. Uh, and in 2008, was granted leave to remain. If he had been deported in 2003, obviously no one would have been stabbed. So, okay, you got a couple problems there. Got the law not enforced, national borders not enforced. So, priorities, if you're the prime minister, enforce the laws. Make sure criminals get prison and foreign criminals get to deport and enforce deportations so that the orders are actually real and not just on paper. Well, that wasn't the and, and also, at a minimum, just swap that thing around where if you're a foreigner and you commit crime in that country, you get punished worse, which is what happens everywhere else. For some reason, just not in the Western nations, which yes. is a weird kind of self-hatred. Like in most countries around the world, even as some, something as simple as having a traffic accident you will basically be assumed to be at fault if you're a foreigner on the simple basis that if you weren't in the country, then the accident could not have happened, and therefore it is your fault. But we in the West, we apply the laws equally, we tell ourselves, which means doing the exact opposite, which is not equal. 
Amazing. So the immediate response was not to consider those two problems problems and to solve them. It was instead to issue a press release in which, uh, as you can see here, the PM came out and said he's going to crack down on free speech. I, I can't believe that a half Indian man would do such a thing to the Irish. Well, he wants hate speech convictions for those who uh, were angered. Is he half Indian? Yes, I believe so. So um, that's where all the memes Because I, Irish names are so weird that I, I, I didn't actually pick that up. Varadka is not an, uh, an Irish name. Yeah, that. Yes, but, but Irish names are quite weird. Irish names are weird, but yes. they're not Indian. Yes. Well, anyway, now I see it. The, the details of this are not just he wants the same laws that England has. Of course, it's worse. Uh, we think we went over this somewhat, but here's the writing, as you can see it there, in which uh, the, the offense is possessing material likely to incite hatred. Prepares or possesses. So you could actually make a meme and only you could ever see it. Mm -hmm. And that's five years jail. Yeah, and they have the right to access your phone and PC upon request. And if you deny them your passwords, you go to jail. And that's about as close to 1984 wrong thing as you can get. You could also be in the, I mean, offensive preparing. You could be in the middle of photoshopping this spicy meme. I haven't even written the I or the G yet, and I am already in jail. And then all of a sudden, the so, Irish Stasi burst through your door. I, they're doing this in every country, these hate speech laws. It just kind of feels that they're going for the absolute maximum that they think they can get away with. And clearly in Ireland, they think they can get away with a lot more. It's a proper speed run, and we can I, see I, the details. Because uh, from, from what I can tell, this seems to be a last-ditch desperate attempt to completely ban all opposition because they're recognizing that people are starting oh, yeah. to develop yeah. uh, a recognition of the problem outside of the fringe circles that it used to happen in. The, the, the popular mood is not going the globalist's way, and they know it. There should be another link in there, John, if we could, because that's the, the, the same one twice instead of the one I put in, which is that there's a, a note from someone explaining the details, which uh, I believe he's got it. Thanks, John. Which uh, they say, people don't realize how extreme Ireland's hate speech bill is. Up to 12 months in prison for refusing to give your password on your devices, if suspected of committing hate speech. 12 months for refusing to allow the states to read your messages between you and your spouse. That's a pretty right. terrible law. And okay. something that obviously goes way beyond what any other Western country has done. I mean, even in that previous example, you can notice this is a German. This is a German person making fun of Ireland here because of hate speech laws in Ireland being worse than Germany. Yes. When, when Germans are making fun of your totalitarianism levels, it's, it's not good. But I mean, also, I mean, you could, you could presumably have a, have a slightly older phone, which you have forgotten the password for, and it's right, well, fine, 12 months in jail then. Potentially, yes. Because they just won't believe that you don't know the password. And of course, these laws will be applied as they are in the rest of the world, which is um, against people we don't like. Well, yes. In which case, we will just do everything bad. We which can. will be the natives. We'll get to that next. But you can see, this is now a crime. As you can see here, this was a crime in the UK, in which someone, Lawrence Fox here, posted the pride flag four times. That got him a visit from the police. And then we have this guy. This was a Met police officer. He'd left the Met years ago now. But as you can see, BBC Newsnight did a wonderful investigation. They're defending the public because the police won't. What did BBC Newsnight come up with? Uh, he shared a meme, as you can see here. They describe the meme, they don't show you it, because that's the meme. That's what he got arrested for. He's been charged with a crime. About that. So this is a, a joke about uh, race, <laughs> as you can see there, <laughs> at the bottom. Oh no, I chuckled. I'm off to prison, boys. You are indeed. And it's not just uh, members of the public or ex-police officers. I actually dug through. Oh, uh, never mind. There, there should be another thing in there, but oh well. 
in which uh, there was actually police officers being sent to jail in the police force as well. But getting to Ireland, because as you can see here, Ireland's Green Party senator decided to come out and say, we are restricting freedom for the common good. And this blew up a lot, as you can see. I, well, I would not have chosen that top. She looks like she's been seagulled. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's listen to what she has to say. Think about it. All law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. When you Your thoughts are causing me pain. What a massive, and I can't say it, she is. I believe we should have restrictions for anybody entering politics that if you have crazy ex-girlfriend eyes, you should immediately be barred. You're gone. Well, it's not sexist. It applies to men and women. Yeah, men can have it too. But yeah, very much longhouse vibes where your thoughts are causing me not to be able to live my life. And just pain. the whole bloody, you know, for the common good, for the common good. But, but they're great, they're she good. defines what the common good is. Of course. So basically, it's, it's just totalitarianism. Well, that's a weird response. This, this doubling down on let's just lock up everyone who criticizes us. Good luck with that one. The Prime Minister also decided to put out a message about the same time. He was trying to stay silent on the issue of um, the stabbing and instead decided to put out this statement. This is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family. An innocent child who was lost and has now been found and returned. We are able to breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. And obviously what he doesn't tell you is the community notes now bring up. She wasn't lost. She didn't fall down a well. She was abducted by Hamas. Yes. There you are. Great. I, I just... Someone who's not interested in their own land, not interested in the crimes on their own soil, would rather talk about foreign crimes. And even then, it's just like, well, she fell down a well. Doesn't make it sound like a crime. And I've, I've pointed this out, and I'm sure there will be exceptions in our audience, and we know exceptions personally. But within the Western nations, if you get people of mixed heritage like Mr. Varadkar, it's incredibly rare, especially if they're in positions of political importance, that they will identify with their European ancestry. They will always identify with the foreign ancestry because- At least some respect. Yeah, it gives them victim points. It gives them victim points and they want, uh, for some reason, they would rather curry favor. It's deeper than that, isn't it? Like if I went to Russia and became a Russian member of parliament, right? I'm still going to have my past. Mm -hmm. And even my kids are going to have the ethnic past as well of being attached to the UK. So there's always going to have concrete ties to these lands. Yeah, there's going to be something outside of the Russian people, which I'm going to be sympathetic towards over the Russian people at times. Yeah, it's like, that's just true. And people with that kind of background, like Mr. Varadkar, oftentimes they will see the plight of any foreign peoples as the plight of themselves because they recognize as a block, half of their ancestry is alien to this. I find that hilarious. Any threat on it is a threat to them. But it's such a good example of what you're saying because to this part where the foreign crime here, so the kidnapping of a young girl and then the exchanging of her for prisoners, that is something he must defend. He must use his language carefully as to not offend the sensible sensibilities of a mass. But whereas those people rioting in Dublin, God, God, use the worst language possible to describe them. But Hamas, you've got to be very polite about. I mean, it shows you, you're correct. Where is your worldview at? Where is your, your loyalty? Where is your sympathy at? Where is your 
sensibility is that exactly? Who are you sensible for? Who are you sympathetic for? It's not your own people, by your own actions. And they responded even more transparently that that's the case by, as has been previously looked at, uh, Conor McGregor is being investigated by the Irish police for hate speech, for daring to say uh, maybe a bunch of foreigners stabbing our kids is not strength. Maybe that's, that's bad. Maybe there was a reason that all of these people took to the streets. Well, I think we found it. It's the far right. They're the reason. Because now we get onto my favorite part. Every time. Which is the local Irish response. The most Irish of Irish people have all come out and said, with the far right, those people who are upset about the, the stabbing, they, they don't stand for us. We in Dublin, who work for Google. Uh, we oh, hear you're far right now, father. <laughs> well, they, they just said uh, the Irish people have come out in, in force to tell us, actually, the Irish are not represented by the far right. That is, that is nonsense. Those people already believe in hate. We can see it here by Abdullah. Abdullah has come to tell us. Ah, <laughs> uh, this gentleman, yes. What happened in Dublin City yesterday is absolutely sickening. And we were strongly condemn all respect, uh, strongly condemned by all respected Irish men and women, such as Abdullah. Uh, Ireland is based on immigration. Ireland is based on immigrant. Okay. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm strong, sure strong English vibes there. Yep. <laughs> and every immigrant is welcome here. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Abdullah. I mean, this first. I time. wonder if he has any incentive to promote this kind of view. Oh, no. Who knows? Carl there. Okay. Colonizer. Yeah. Um, there's another series of people who came out in response. Uh, most of them had flags in their bios for some reason. Dublin is literally on fire, and the perpetrators are military aged men from Ireland. Immigrants are not the people destroying this country. Sorry to break it to you, Leon. Fighting aged men only counts as an effective comment <laughs> when they're illegally crossing your borders. Not, <laughs> oh my God, Ireland has Irish men of fighting age in it? Bro, Bro yes. what the hell? I thought we, we killed them all. <laughs> we need some sort of serum that takes them from 13 to 58 immediately. Yeah. I mean, if the claim was that Ireland was only full of women and children, and that... <laughs> And that Ireland had no Irish men in it. We wouldn't need some fighting age men. Yeah, then maybe he would have a point, but... But I can't not notice um, uh, a chap in stance that this chap here also has a foreign flag in his bio. Amazing. This happened again with this guy here. He decided to turn up and say, we're supposed to be coming together, not burning our own fucking city down. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Timmy. That's that's fantastic. Good good to have your opinion. Oh, actually, he's called Timmy as well. Yeah. Can't pronounce the last one, so I won't bother. But the point being that obviously these people are not the most Irish of Irish people, and uh, Ireland is very ethnically conscious. Ogun Yemi? Yeah, whatever. And we'll go to the last one here, because this is the best example of um, people who obviously have recently, in historical terms, gone to Ireland and now decided that this is, uh, they speak for Ireland, not anyone else. And as you can see here, a proud migrant has turned up. And this is my favorite clip out of all of this in the response section. And then I know they're targeting immigrants, I'm proud to be Irish, but I'm even more proud to be an immigrant. My parents came here in 1997 and from war-torn Burundi, you know, everything was bombed, they left with nothing. So knowing that I come from very humble beginnings, a lot of asylum seekers regret their circumstances and they want nothing more than to integrate and to contribute to society, pay their taxes, and just be a part of a new Ireland. Like, I just think we're not the problem. I'm going to end it there because she just goes on. But I love that. But, but she, speaks, so much. She, she speaks in an Irish accent, so she must be Irish. I'm more proud to be an immigrant than I am to be Irish. I mean, that's, there it is. And that's how most of them will feel. Yeah. And once again, they're seeing any attack on the idea of asylum seekers in general, because that's their background, is an atti- attack on them. I think I have discovered a trend. 
No, they're all Irish. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the trick. I love the idea here as well that I'm going to move to Ireland. I'm just going to integrate into a new Ireland. Well, if you were integrating into the old Ireland, you'd have to become Catholic and take up zero housing stock, which I don't think you could do any of them. Well, and and when you're more proud of being an immigrant, I mean, you're you're leaving the door open that you've got you've got alternatives. The people of Ireland, the people who are tad upset, they don't have an alternative. They don't have anywhere else to go. They don't have something that they're more proud of. They only have Ireland. And a lot of these people will still have relatives in those countries. So they have a home to go back to. It's it's not just that they have a nation in the abstract that they can go back to that will accept them. They have concrete ties of people who care about them who will let them into their homes. Who do the Irish have other than the Irish on Ireland? Yeah. Maybe some in America. I was going to say maybe the Irish diaspora in in America. That's about it. But even then, I think a lot of the European descended Americans um, that we can tell from survey results, they don't care that much. But also, like, what was the point in any of the revolution if we're all just going to go to America? Like, what was the point in the Easter uprising? Literally nothing, apparently. But she ends off a section here I should have played, which is even funnier. She goes on to say, "Use their unhappiness to, you know, have an excuse for their bigotry." It's just growing up where I grew up. Like there were a group of people that were probably weren't the best educated, and used, you know, my family moving into an estate as the first black family as an excuse to, you know, cause fires around our house or egg us and everything like that because. You know, maybe it scares them. I don't know. They're not used to having people that no are education. not Irish around them. No education. But it just takes a bit of integration, getting to know these people, knowing that they want nothing more than to work and contribute to this country. And they don't want to cause any of this havoc that is going on right now. And the people that are saying, oh, immigrants are destroying Dublin. You're the ones destroying Dublin. Yeah. Look at last night. Like, there's not one immigrant inside on the streets looting. And then I know... Obviously, before I go further, racism bad. Yeah. What do you want? You think that's new? But I love the end line there. Not a single immigrant was out there looting. Except the guy caught on camera looting. That's clearly foreign. Mm. I mean, that's one. Let's just caught on camera there. But whatever. Let's, let's just not bother about facts. Not important. The more fundamental aspect there being, well, you're the ones destroying Dublin. And this is, the, this is really the problem. I love this. This person here who puts, never forget, far-right racists did this, not immigrants. And it's a burnt-out tram. And there was a guy who commented on this. It was great, which he said, Libtards really think that a burnt-down bus is worse than stabbed and raped kids. And it's true. Libtards think that an atmosphere of fear or racism is worse than stabbed kids. They're more than happy to hide the truth to prevent the chance that people might get their feelings hurt. Like, sincerely, which one is destroying Ireland? This, this riot which burnt a bus and a tram? That's, that's, yeah, that's bad. Or stabbing kids? Yeah. Stabbing kids, that's the worst one, I, w- I would have thought. And it goes on because this uh, other response from it, which is to say, actually, immigrants are saving our lives. Look this, over here. This was so obvious. The second that this came out, it started being promoted immediately after the trouble started. Couldn't what is clearer it? propaganda. Brazilian Deliveroo rider used his helmet to strike the man who knifed a woman and the three children. See, immigrants are saving us from other immigrants. That's why we need more immigrants. Man's a bit non-specific. Yeah. They go on, as you can see, Drudd come in, a beautiful post, and it's like, you have a new uh, debate in society? Look, obviously, most immigrants are not insane. Let's not be crass bigots about it. Therefore, logically, the more of them you have, we can more protect Ireland from the migrants who are mental. What a beautiful policy. We need Logic. Logic is is very... Infallible. Yeah. 
and it went on to celebrate. Actually, migrants are saving us, not 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 doing anything bad at all because they're angels. This guy decided to put out this. I was set upon by a group of immigrants in Dublin yesterday. They gave me a triple height heart bar bypass, saved my life. Okay, so I got to do with the price of eggs. It's got nothing to do with the conversation whatsoever. I mean, I just love this BS line anyway. This whole like, oh, don't you know that immigrants are saving us? They actually run the NHS. They run all health workers around the world. Well, here's just going over to the UK real quick. NHS staff from overseas, the statistics. And there's a breakdown here, of course, of the different parts. And um, yeah, it's bollocks. Whole narrative is bollocks. What did you think? I will say, having been to the NHS a few times in recent months, in my recent experience, those members of the NHS who are from immigrant backgrounds are above and beyond the worst members of staff that they have that you've interacted with uh, that I've interacted with yeah they, a lot of them are highly incompetent but depends and what you're dealing not, with and that's not to say that every single one of them are but from my own experiences this um, vital necessity that we bring all of these people over means that we're mainly importing people over who don't do as good a job as all but of we'll them. work for less yeah, and we'll work for less. But that's not my point today. My point today is to make this well, a question about are they the ones saving us from death's door? And, and also I note that basically it's saying that 81% of the NHS staff are British, which is broadly in line with the amount that are British is in the population as a whole. Nope. So all, Isn't that's that right? Point. No. So about 25% of the UK population is not British. And oh, you, okay, right. So, so the British are actually overrepresented in the NHS. Yeah, 19% of NHS staff are non-British, but 25% of the population isn't. Right. So massively underrepresented. Shock that, turns out, um, the usual suspects are obviously the most uh, large examples. Pakistanis, for example, are 2.3% of the UK population, but only 0.6% of NHS staff. And that's staff. We're not even talking about highly paid consultants or whatever. I uh, just, this went on. The response from the UK to this event <coughs> was migrants pay more into the system than they take out in benefits. That's They're more likely lie. to be treated by that's an immigrant that's in the NHS than be one behind one in the queue. That's a blatant lie. Yeah, yeah, it's not right. true. It's just factually wrong on every count. I mean, someone here fact-checking, because obviously this is the, the narrative that came over to the UK as well. It's funnily enough, um, immigrants aren't all highly paid consultants. In fact, quite a lot of them are, are quite the opposite. As you can see here, the amount living in social housing in London, for black African, it's 44%, whereas the average is 17 for the whole population. Bangladesh overrepresented, Chinese <coughs> underrepresented, Indians massively underrepresented. And it goes on and on. And that's just social housing. Then you could look at income. You could look at, well, as you can see here, unemployment. I just, I'm so bored. I'm so bored of this stupid narrative that without foreigners, the UK would sink into the sea. It's just not true on any tier. But to end this off, um, the MMA king has spoken. Oh, good. I mean, this, this is the conversation, of course. We want less children stabbing. Uh, we want to stab children. I, I don't know. Where could we go? But the MM King, MMA King has come out and said something at the end of his tweet, which I missed last time, in which he says, there will be a change in Ireland, mark my words, the change is needed. In the last month, innocent children were stabbed leaving a school. Ashley Murphy was murdered, I believe by a Slovakian there, and two Siglo men decapitated. This is not Ireland's future. If they will not act soon with their plan of action to ensure Ireland's safety, I will. So I'm looking forward to the Conor McGregor party, to be honest. Mm. Well, he's been a He's being investigated at the moment, isn't he? Probably because of statements like this. Oh, because he's a threat. That's yep. really it. Yeah. And in which case, keep going. And uh, if you want to spot us, you can always go over, as I should mention something about the website here, to the merch store, which is now live. So do go and enjoy. Otherwise, sorry for taking so long. But...
we uh, shall move on, I suppose. The guiltiest of men. The vermin. The heretic. The alien. Tommy Robinson. I mean, spe- <laughs> you're right, speaking of Irishmen. Yeah, actually. Funny, isn't it? Mm. A lot of the distant right movement in the UK is weirdly a bunch of Irishmen. So I have a very controversial view about Tommy Robinson. Sure. Um, so shall I do it now, or shall, or shall we? Or shall we get into it a bit further? Well, let's, let's lay out the facts for everyone, yeah. and um, we've got to be very specific about this, of course, because this won't be going on Facebook because they literally still labour him as next to Adolf Eichmann. Cool. And on YouTube, they're a bit sensitive, um, although they will let us talk about him. So we'll talk about the facts and just facts. I, I would say anyone who who is still under the impression that Tommy Robinson is what the media want you to believe that he is. The thing that really turned me around was about seven years ago, the Gad Said, Gad Said episode uh, with Tommy Robinson. So look that up if you want to. If you want to hear Tommy Robinson talking about his own experiences, and you know, you'll get a, you'll get a truer picture of the, who the man really is. Well, what he decided to do over the weekend on Sunday specifically, there was a, a rally against anti-Semitism, a protest against anti-Semitism. It was organised by Campaign Against Anti-Semitism, and this is obviously in the context of Israel Palestine because. What other paradigm do we live in? And so you can see here, GB News were saying they were intimidated by protesters at the, the Gaza side of this the day before. And the Metropolitan Police responded by saying, the right of the press to freely report on protests is no less important than the right to protest itself. They should be able to do so without facing intimidation or aggression. Ooh. Oh, screw you, Met Police. Well, thanks for uh, clearing up. I'm sure that's what the law is. So as you can see here, uh, Robinson turned up to the protest against anti-Semitism the next day with that tweet on his phone. And uh, this is him being welcomed by people who were attending the protests and friends of his, many of them Jewish, of course, who are big fans of his because he went to Gaza and Israel a while back and came out of it very pro-Israel. So since he's been posting stuff that's very pro-Israel as well. So he's definitely on one side of that debate. And this goes on for a while. As you can see, John posted the full footage here. It was just person after person comes up and hugs him, shakes hands. Pretty normal for him. Weird, isn't it? He doesn't have to live in fear walking around, but politicians do. And uh, so, well, what happened after he turned up with a cameraman and an assistant to cover a story? Well, the police turned up and started threatening him. Cool. That freedom of the press thing lasted long. There's a higher quality version of the... Uh, I don't know if we can load up. There should be another link in there, John. Higher quality version of the conversation because uh, unless we changed it, I think we might have changed it instead. I don't know. But the conversation is the police just shouting at him, Why are you here? And he just tells them, I'm getting paid by Urban Scoop. I'm here to be a journalist. Well, and, and he's sat peacefully in a cafe. Yes. But it hasn't started yet, the march. So he's like, Yeah, I've had people come up. We've done some interviews. We're going to go out, do some more interviews, and I'm going to go home. Got my cameraman here, and I've got my assistant. Right, so 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 just to be clear, he hasn't stabbed anyone at this point. No, he hasn't even done anything. He ex- has <laughs> right. existed as himself. I mean, he was go- he was going to obviously. That's why they showed up, but he didn't yet. I think I may have bugged up with the uh, thing, John. So don't worry about that. I-, I just didn't add the link. I was thinking I I had, but you can see the full version here. It's just there's also a high quality one on I think um, Richard Edmonds because I-, I can see harassment taking place, but it's not Tommy doing it. No, it- it's certainly not. But they refuse to listen to anything he says. Like this goes on for ages. You can see the the lower policeman there in the blue, and then one yellow turns up. What is the reason? What is the reason? To prevent 
harassment, alarm and distress, the members of this community around here were asking you to please leave. To prevent? Yes. Would you please comply with no. the instruction these officers have asked you? I'm here to do... So he explains he's here to do his job. But the thing being that they say, well, the organizers of the protest have asked us to enforce a Section 35 order, which is to remove you because you can cause alarm or distress to the members of this march. Tommy points out that they are literally hugging him. So that, that doesn't make but, any sense. You know, so sovereign is he who creates the exception kind of thing. But I mean, why, why can't we all just say, well, all, all of the... Um, all of the Hamas supporting immigrants are causing us fear of distress and therefore we need to section 35 them out of the country. Legally, you could, but the police won't enforce it. Yes. This is the real problem with the UK and it's demonstrated so brilliantly here. And then for all the criticisms I can have of Tommy, and you know, I work with him, I've got plenty. And uh, <laughs> the criticisms I have of him in this instance are zero because he has perfectly demonstrated something as crystal clear to a maximum number of people and good on him in his effect here. Because, of course, he then goes out and you can see people pointing out, here's the treatment of Tommy Robinson getting arrested immediately, whereas the Hamas guys just get away with whatever they want. And this is the full footage here in which they decide, okay, no, we're going to go do our job. If you want to arrest us for being journalists, you can do that as the police force. But you're bloody mental to do that. So we're just going to go do what we want. If you want to basically break the law and arrest us, because I mean, you can. Tommy has had this treatment for years. I mean, years ago, he had the police turn up at his house in the middle of the night and they basically stripped his house down. They, they went looking for everything. They were desperate, desperate to find a crime. The only thing they could eventually find was some weird technicality where basically he'd lent his brother a little bit of money to buy a house. They charged him with mortgage fraud. Yeah. And so he went to jail for that. I mean, the, the British state is determined to persecute him using whatever means they can. And when they can't find a means, they, they just persecute him anyway for no reason. So here's the evidence. He did turn up as a journalist. He was being paid by an outlet to do that. He is with a cameraman and an assistant. He is not with a group of lads. He is not part of there as a march. He is correctly there as a journalist. The British system does not have some mandatory membership of a trade union to be recognized as a journalist. It is literally just, do, is there a reasonable excuse to believe you? And in this case, obviously, there is. And that didn't matter. He explains to them here what the law is. They say, we don't care. We've got our own law, which is Section 35. We've been told you're causing alarm or distress by unknown person so they... and, and notice there's a there's a there's an officer stood behind him filming him at all times just praying that he says or does something that they can use yeah. and when he doesn't well we're gonna we're gonna arrest him anyway so there you are he gets arrested by about 50 police officers obviously the uh, jews who were there are, are not really impressed they're like what the hell are you doing what's wrong with you like this guy's been pro us and you can see here as well they decide to pepper spray him like they've got 50 guys, and this, this guy here, you can see he pulls out the red there, pepper sprays Tommy in the, in the eyes. And he did it because he wants to. There was no need to. Yeah. You had plenty of use of force to, to control him. You were already moving him out of the area by force. But there, just pepper spray him, why not? That police officer should lose his job. He should go to jail for assault. Should do. But of course he won't, because there is a completely separate standard of justice. I mean, for me, it was really Tommy Robinson who made me realize that the, the rule of law is a complete myth. And that's the point I'm trying to get at. You can see him. This is him recording, well, reporting from inside a police van with his eyes all bucket up from the uh, pepper spray there. And, and that's the, the big event out of all of this. For, there were some, uh, you know, there's various criticisms of him. But in this event here, 
I, I get a bit annoyed when the stories are made about him specifically and the story becomes about him. That's not what this is. What this is, is him demonstrating to a massive audience, millions and millions of people saw this story, that there is a two-tier policing system. And if you're Anglo-Saxon, that's how you get treated or a supporter of the Anglo-Saxons. Whereas if you're not, literally do what you want in London. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, call for the deaths of people, call for raping people. It literally doesn't matter. Do, do you want a certain the, community. And, and the police are your own personal enforcers to do that because it's, it seems to me that a certain section of the police in Man, not Manchester, although probably in Manchester as well, in London, are openly spiteful and vindictive against the native population. And as you say, are eagerly waiting for them to slip up or do something that means that they have any excuse to commit violence to you. Or they just do it because, hey, why not? It's it's this guy who everybody hates anyway we can go with. The, the reason they are especially scared of Tommy is because, and this is something I've mentioned on the podcast before, is that we can talk about these issues, but as long as we're just talking about it, the state would like to shut us down, is in the process of shutting us down, but at the moment it hasn't decided to move the line from people talking about it. What Tommy does is calls to action. He can send out a tweet or some Facebook posts and he can have 50,000 people turn up on, the, on a street corner in London. And that scares the living shit out of the establishment because he can actually get people move. He can mobilize more people than the Met Police can. Yeah. Is there a single politician who can mobilize as many people as him to a no. rally? No. Doesn't happen. And the, um, you can see here just... Yeah, they are terrified of this man. Yeah. And the police issued a statement in which they say in here, that we've been in frequent contact with the organizers of the march in recent days. They have been clearer about their concerns that the man in, in uh, attendance would be likely to cause uh, fear to other participants because he would be bringing people with him. They say accompanying him. Uh, the people accompanying him in this instance were a cameraman and an assistant. So him, a cameraman and an assistant were going to cause fear to the public, were they? Well, we could just say that about any BBC journal ever, couldn't we? Because it's true. They're scum. Yeah. I mean, they are just going to cause fear to you because it's like, yeah, you're just going but, to... But also they're responding to the media fiction of the man and not the man himself. Well, they say they get it from the organizers of the march, which we will get back to. As a result, he was spoken to and warned on more and more than occasion that his continued presence was likely to cause harassment, alarm, or distress to others. There's no evidence of that. We're aware that the man has suggested that he was in the area as a journalist as if it's a suggestion. No, that's a fact, a demonstrable fact. We can see it. Uh, this was not a relevant factor, they say. And then they go on to say, a man has now been charged in connection with this incident. Stephen Lennon of Bedfordshire, his real name, of course, has been charged with failing to comply with a Section 35 direction, excluding a person from an area. So they're actually going to take him to court over this. And as you can see, he put out a video, which, um, oh, con <laughs> sensitive content. Are you kidding me, Twitter? It's literally just him coming out of prison and reading a document. So he reads in the document that he's banned from London until January 2024. That is so wrong. That's the terrifying aspect, though, isn't it? That's them in fear yet again. It's like, we, we got to ban him. We just got to ban him from being here. Because what? He'll turn up with a camera? And the thing is, it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if when they take him to court, they actually jail him again for this. They would jail him for sitting in a cafe. It's a... It's a very, very serious crime to be Tommy Robinson. Shouldn't have done it, Tommy. The way this man is treated is just so... Speaking directly to you, Met Police, screw you. Seriously, screw you for this. It is ridiculous. And it's... That's why this event is so cool, because it did wake up so many people who were on the fence about the two-tier policing system. It's, it's good to see them getting it. 
Um, now, campaign against anti-Semitism. Because the event itself is cool. The exposure, cool. I find them more interesting. Because why exactly did they decide that he can't be present? He's a man who supports Israel. He supports um, trying to destroy Hamas, etc. Endless whenever he talks about this. That's the side he well, puts down on. Tommy's way more pro-Israel than any of us are. Yeah, and as you can see, they put out a statement saying, no thanks to his attendance. The drunken far-right thugs who came to protect the Zenitaph on Armistice Day, some of who shouted Zeke Heil. What? I missed that. I paid attention to that story, missed that one. Zionists are well known for screaming Zeke Heil. Yeah. Or hospitalized police officers. It didn't happen. They're not welcome. Okay. He then goes on to just talk about this lord that he likes, that last paragraph, which has nothing to do with This is just a left-wing mushroom fever dream. This is this is this is nonsense. It didn't happen. Like you just made that up. What's wrong with you? And the, the Lord they're talking about at the end there, he's just some guy who talks about diversity. Uh, why wouldn't he be? Okay. Completely pointless. But here is their chief executive of campaign against anti-Semitism. Now I can only assume because they don't tell us who specifically organized the march and made that specific complaint. It has to be him. Because on their website they've got two people. And it's him and some other guy. And then he's the chief executive. So I assume he's organizing this. And here he is in London, obviously quite proud of what happens, his march that he organized, etc. And in which case, I did write to them. I, I sent them an email two days ago asking them what specific thing did he do that meant that you guys said he couldn't be there. Thank you very much for your time. Hope to hear from you soon. And they just sent back a stock reply being like, uh, he's not welcome. Thanks. They got cool. nothing. They have nothing. They literally have nothing. It's, it's interesting that for somebody who so supports their stated cause that this is how they'll repay him for it. I mean, it literally is the meme of like, I don't care how many people from the Muslim world say that we need to be exterminated. I'm not siding with Tommy Robinson. <laughs> He's literally handing out a hand, being like, come with me and you shall be safe in England forevermore. Ugh, I'd rather die. What's wrong? What's, like, I'm sorry, but there's, there's, there's such a stupid coalition. It, it, it reminds me of that stone toss meme where it's the communist saying how much he supports the working class and then the Republican working class oil worker turns and says, well, glad to have you on board, buddy, and he recoils in horror. Comical. Absolutely comical. But anyway, the, the big story out of it being that, as you can see here, if you just look up his name, it's endlessly various people talking about the two-tier policing system. Even Julie here, although she did do the stupid thing. She went on her show and was like, wow, some of his views are a bit racist. And they just didn't say which ones, because there aren't any. And then obviously Tommy revealed that they've had secret meetings, and she tells him that she supports everything he says. The thing you've got to bear in mind Stupid. with the British state is they need the image of Tommy that they have created. because, and, and it's the same with the US as well. The actual terrorism that takes place is all Islamic terrorism. But all of their, all of the um, police and intelligence services priorities are all focused on the far right, so they desperately need far right figures mm. to justify the massive amount of attention and budget that they're spending on on far right terrorism that simply doesn't exist. So they need figures like this, and the fact that he isn't what they say he is is massively inconvenient to them, and so they must persecute him endlessly. They need a Nazi. They can't find one, so they'll just do this. Yeah, this is good enough. This English patriot. Yeah, he likes the Germans. This this Israel supporting. Um, yeah. you know, half his friends are black. Tommy is is the best we can do as a Nazi. I was trying to find an image here. There is a famous image of him burning the Nazi flag in his early days. Like, there's none of this is new. It's it's just they hate him. So to get back to the march, because there was some news out of it. There is uh, rebel news went down, as you can see, Ezra. 
who interviewed various Jews to ask them, well, what do you think of mass immigration then? Because London didn't used to be like this. Now it is. This is why you're marching. And there was a plethora of views. This lady is like, yeah, we need less. <coughs> I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty well aware of uh, where anti-Semitism comes from. This is what this lady's talking about. And then there are other people like this guy who's just like, you're oversimplifying the issue. <laughs> he literally says it multiple times. It's like, look, you're just oversimplifying it. We need to crack down on anti-Semitism. And Ezra, obviously, being a man who's traveled the world, is like, where does it come from? <laughs> and it's he got hard. So this man, this man's saying all of that whilst carrying a union flag with him. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is just <laughs> stupid. But that's what I mean. This individual here and whoever organized this who decided Tommy Robinson is not welcome or those figures, we've been over like, uh, what was it, Miss Wallersteiner, who wants mass immigration, celebrate diversity, and then is like, hang on a minute. Why are all these people pro-Palestinian? I mean, it's comical. These individual people are just, you, you are in a, such a stupid coalition if you yeah. think that people like Tommy are your enemy. That's what's so comical about Cause this. Because he, he's never bothered, bothered to listen to what the man himself has to say. No, why, why would he? And then I just wanted to end this off with uh, something funny, which is that this guy here is talking about the fact that the country is being changed without our consent. And um, the conversation from the people in the mainstream like this guy here is just like, wow, I must be saying something right. 1.3 million views. This is how out of touch some people are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy lives in London. He's well aware. He's, he's the smug London elite. And I, I have to really emphasize how smug this absolute bell end is. So, so before, before we end this off, can I give you my slightly controversial theory on Tommy Robinson? Sure, go for it. Now, I have discussed this with Connor and Calvin Robinson, and I, I was unable to persuade them of my case in the end. But I think, I think this is justified, right? Okay, so... My point is that Tommy is a man who's been persecuted by the state. He is a man who's performed certain miracles, such as basically curing people of blindness. Not physical blindness, but he, he's, he's helped <laughs> see the world. Right? Um, I can see where this is going. <laughs> I also think that, um, you know, the British state, if we did crucify people today, it would be Tommy, right? Yeah. Follow me. Follow me so yep. far. And earlier on in this video, you showed us the pepper spray of destiny. The case I put to Calvin was, you know, the Christian, the Christian belief is, is very much focused around a second coming. Now, it's not obvious when the second coming comes. But all I'm saying is, is that, you know, you've got to have a list of candidates. And I think that Tommy, I think he's a pretty bloody good candidate, to be honest. Well, for your new religion. No, 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 for Christianity. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't no, think... No, no, am I wrong? I don't think well, you're going to make much headway. I do believe... With, I, maybe we'll agree on this, because I remember... Um, I'm, I'm deadly serious. I'm deadly serious, I'm deadly serious by the way. Eagerly throwing him to the jaws of the government as because well. Because the, fir so the first one. time round, it wasn't, it wasn't obvious when the, when, the, when the Messiah had arrived. And I'm just saying, it's, it won't be obvious the second time around. I just, I just think there's something in this. Well, anyway, so I think you're saying uh, Dan's theory is that Tommy Robinson might might be the king of the Jews. Possibly. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I mean, he's very, very pro-Jew. Anyway, I think there is some truth in that, that aspect, but it's not that he's Jesus. It's that he's a folk hero. This is what Jared Bowen... I'm going to continue to gestate on this one and see... Okay. See if it emerges that I, I could be on to something. Dan, Dan's been studying the Bible for this one. 
Well, when he does get resurrected, I suppose we'll put him on the merch store and you can go and buy Torrent. Well, he was. He was. He, he came back on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll talk to the guys. We'll see if we can get literally just his Twitter handle on a mug. <laughs> and then we'll sell that. Let's move on to the next section before... Uh... All right, so uh, I'm going to move us a bit away from Britain, but still kind of within the Anglosphere and relating to English issues. That being that uh, the, the English state is utterly and unfailingly retarded in everything that it does and everything that it does is in the aim of being as retarded as possible and Preach. hating you and stealing your freedoms Preach and, King. and there are parts of the world where they've decided let's not be retards no I don't believe you surely not well we'll have to see in the long term how well they stick to that aim but for the time being some parts of the world have decided that really stupid thing we were going to run headfirst into a wall at full speed maybe let's not do that on some issues, on other issues, then it's all steam ahead. You know, let's go, let's go, boys. Uh, put leave the helmets aside. We don't need protection for this one. I love bricks. <laughs> yeah, uh, but for New-, New Zealand has decided that they're going to reverse their stupid and utterly incompetent smoking ban, which was the one that Rishi Sunak decided that he was going to model the English smoking ban on. Uh, and I'm just th- thinking that let's take a look at that and think to ourselves, maybe we could do something nice like that. Maybe so, we so, could. So not- New Zealand is one of those funny countries that tends to oscillate um, from from baseness to to sheer wokeness every few years. So back in the early, was it maybe the late nineties, early two thousands? It was it was having quite a sort of sensible based period, and it's obviously just been through the Jacinda Ardern and, and five and years of Jacinda. Yes. So is is it is it swinging back into the other way now? Well, there's been an election, and as part of the election, there has been a coalition formed similar to a lot of the coalitions that are going on in mainland Europe at the moment, where Ooh. a centre-right party to win prevalence in Parliament has had to uh, align itself with more populist right-wing parties. And as part of that, yeah. when they're in power, they're making promises that they will enact legislation or repeal legislation that goes against the leftist agenda. Because Jacinda Ardern was genuinely scary. She was a true believer in woke. She was insane. Yes. She was insane. And you saw it on her face as well. There are those before and after pictures of her when she was younger to now. And she really was, um, she really became quite hag. Mm. Not to be too offensive. Twisted by the dark side. Well, yes. You can see how entangling yourself with dark forces in the world really has a physical effect on you. Mm. But. Before that, I'll point to the website and say, subscribe. Oh, thanks. Subscribe. <laughs> I, I already have. But, to the website. Yes. Um, five pounds per month. Uh, I think the it's not, we're not doing the promotion anymore. No, there's no more promotions. No more promotion. No more promotion. So if you missed your chance, Aha. fat look well, well, there. It still is only five pounds It a month. still is only five pounds a month. Yeah. And for that, you can watch Stelios' Symposium series in the most recent episode I appeared on where he sat me down like a developmentally challenged five-year-old and took me through a PowerPoint presentation explaining Kant's ethics to me. This was part one of two, so part two will be out uh, this week coming. And it was quite interesting because Kant is someone who is, being a German, rather impenetrable in the way that he discusses his own philosophy and uh, develops his own ideas. So it was very nice to have Stelios explain all of that to me. I feel like I have a much better understanding of it. And that just goes to show that we have quite a lot of purely educational value on the website. So you can check that out if you subscribe and check out everything else that we've got on there. But moving on. So this whole smoking ban thing is something that's not just unique to Britain and New Zealand. It's something that is 
really a managerial project across most of the developed world where they've decided, as always, if you have a freedom, if you have something that you enjoy doing, we have to step on that. We have to ruin that. Take your fun. Now, I'm not a smoker myself of cigarettes. I smoke a cigar every now and again. I'm thinking about investing in a pipe because honestly, smoking tobacco without all of the chemicals and such in it is actually quite a nice the experience. Is snuff. Snuff. Yes. That always sounds yeah, you don't want this, this newfangled some way. pipes and cigarettes and all this fancy, you know. No, I do want a pipe. All right, fair enough. Which uh, one's snuff? Yeah, which one is the the, the powder? Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because because the ban is not just on smoking cigarettes, and by that I mean the packaged cigarettes that you can get in the shops where it'll be full of chemicals. It's on all tobacco products, so you could just buy some smoking tobacco that you can put in a pipe that doesn't really have any chemicals in it, and that's banned. That's banned if you're 14 and over. Uh, so, sorry, 14 and below, and they'll be raising the age. It's a stupid plan. I think if you're born in 2009, they'll continually rage, uh, raise the age of which you can buy those products a year, year on year, so that you're unable to buy it ever. So it's, if it's you were some, born in it's 2009. something like if you're, if you're 12 now, if and you're you've 14, got a four, I think it is. Oh, if you're, okay, if you're 14 now and you've got a 16-year-old brother, by the time you're 68 and he's 70, he'll be able to buy tobacco, but you won't. Yes. Because you're only 68. Yes. <laughs> you're only 68. You need to know better. Your elders know better. I mean, this is so nannying and just... Yeah, but oh, you, it's you can see where it comes about, right? Which is the smoking bad, don't want kids doing it, so we'll start it from this age and then we'll make a smoke-free generation. Like I can see... I mean, that's what he's describing yeah. it as. Well, I can, I can actually see smoke the... Smoke-free generation. The steel man position. Like I can get that. But it is so mental when you sit down and think about it. Because I love how the Western states have become some kind of like smoking Sharia. So you're in Serbia, like a normal country, smoking age of 16 or 18 or whatever. And you go, oh, I'll go on holiday to England. And you turn up, I'm sorry, you're not 76, sir. You can't buy cigarettes. I mean, back in 2007, it was the indoor smoking ban that was enacted. I don't even agree with that. I believe it should be up to the individual business. I've, I've kind of got whether mixed... they whether they want to allow smoking on their premises or not. Because... I've kind of got mixed feelings on that because I, I remember you know well what it was like before, and you you go to the pub and you come back and you'd have to immediately take off all your clothes and throw them straight in the in the bit, and you, your hair would stink. One, once again, but so... the, I, I think it should be up to the business. I I, I agree. I get the but... freedom point. I'm probably the same because I, I didn't experience that era. Yeah. But do you um... not remember because? I mean, we'd have been alive during that. I, I still really. remember being taken to public venues by my parents and it smelling like cigarettes all over the place. The, the, really. the point is with that one is that even though you kind of agree conceptually that it was wrong and it should be left up to the business, you also were just fed up of coming home from a night at the pub and your hair stinking. So they, they got that one through. And that's no real without, problem for me. I've, I've not yeah. really got much of a problem with the smell of smoke. I've but grown the, up around smokers. Yeah. A lot of my but friends are smokers. But there's a more so fundamental really point here, which is always the argument about, okay, I have my freedom to do my thing as long as it doesn't infringe on someone else. And when literally every public house and restaurant is so stinky of smoke, you cough your lungs up as visiting as a non-smoker or end up stinking. Like, yeah. this is why this stuff happened. Like, there's a reason why this passed and why it was popular. And I kind of get that. Mm. And after going to Serbia, where you can smoke in pubs and water, ah, it's cancer. I just don't like well, it. Well, I mean, it's obviously, I, I, it's obviously popular. Um, but with, I'm saying with, that with whiny non-smokers like yourself, I'm not. I haven't finished my point. Like, if a place wants to do that, like, I can still get the argument. But as a general rule, I can see why you end up with people agreeing with this law. But at, at least, like, banning smoking in areas, there's an argument there about your clothes and whatnot. Yes. When you get to this, though, this is just yes. weird. 
Like, why wouldn't you do this if you believe in this with alcohol or anything else? It's simply not the state's business to do this. Like you say, you can make an argument for a public place with the idea that you're spreading carcinogens or that you you can make an argument. I, I don't see what possible argument you can make to stop people doing this in their own homes. I just don't like it. Okay, there's lots of things I don't like. Well, the reason that they're promoting this, certainly the ones that they were doing in New Zealand as well, was because of the financial benefits they'll get from saving the saving the healthcare service so much money because it costs our healthcare service so much money by treating people who have smoking-related illnesses. Um, That, as far as I can tell, is peak managerialism, that everything in your life, all of your freedoms, your entire economy, has to come down to how much it costs government-provided services. That's the cost-benefit analysis will always promote more restrictions of your freedom to save the government money. That's the same same logic that they have for made in Canada. That will always be what saves the government money that's what they'll do. And even if it doesn't make any sense, because that's the circular logic that yeah. they use for migration, we import these people that push down wages, yeah. and then people don't do jobs because the wages are too low, so we need to import people to work those jobs. We import loads of people to work the NHS. They, through all of the different treaties and agreements that we have, can bring their entire family over, yeah. and then the NHS is strained because there are too many people, so we have to throw more money and bring more people over to support the NHS. This is peak managerialism. Everything in your life is subsumed to the glorious NHS, the managerial therapeutic But but also, I don't think you really want to be making the argument that because this is a behavior that you're participating in and it's costing the NHS money, that it should be banned. Because presumably, monkeypox and AIDS also cost the NHS money. very selective. Very selective. I mean, you, you could go a long way with this logic if you wanted to. I mean, personally, I've got no issue with people smoking. It's not like it's not even like alcohol, where it really affects your mental state. You can make the argument that yeah, you're doing something that in the long term can hurt yourself, but it's not like it's not even like smoking marijuana, where you will make yourself actively more lazy by doing it. Yeah. It's not like mind-altering drugs that can affect the way that you interact with the world and treat other people, where you can. Yeah put yourself in a situation where you're going to hurt other people. I mean, it's, dying it's, of lung cancer is utterly horrific. A, a, a friend of my dad's who was was about 50 died of lung cancer. Um, you know, it went well before uh, their time. But um, they, they did do it to themselves and and, and they, they were very cognizant of the fact that, yes, this is, this is something I've done to myself and, yes, I was warned. But, you know, at some point you have to let people make choices. And once again, it's the selectiveness of this, as you point yes. out, that Many people who have contracted viruses like AIDS can say things like that. You could make the exact same argument, but they choose not to. And then in places like, um, I think it it was in Britain even, Savage Javid was saying about how, oh, it's so great that we've taken away HIV checks for donating blood. Yeah. And that is something that actively hurts other people who obviously need the help. So so they're not doing HIV checks on donated blood now? Yeah. Yes. For about a couple of years now. Well, that's not a good idea. No, obviously not. No, it's not. I mean, you could make the argument that that's a decision that somebody has made in their own life that's negatively impacted them and then can go on later to negatively impact everybody around them, which is the secondhand smoke situation. Not only everybody around them, but people who desperately need the help in the first place because these are people who need blood donations. 
But no, because of the fact that you fall under a category that the government protects, promotes, yeah, promotes, actively encourages, yeah. then we will take away any impediment to you doing anything that you want. Anything at all. We will cheer you world. on. We'll stand in the corner of your bedroom in our Superman outfit, cheering you on. One-handed, of course. But to... Uh, Thank you, Harry. The chat is just like, what's the problem? Don't you want AIDS? <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, no. Um, so to, to read through a little bit of this article so we can get the specific details. So under the UK government's proposed legislation, anyone aged 14 or under will never be able to legally buy cigarettes or any other tobacco product. Once again, with cigars and smoking pipes, you, one, aren't getting the same chemicals. You're not inhaling microplastics through the filters like you yeah. get in cigarettes. And also, the whole point of cigars and smoking tobacco through pipes is that you don't inhale it into your lungs in the same way that you do with cigarettes. So you're not even necessarily... In, obviously, you will get inhalation into your lungs, but, what, but what you're supposed with to... With vapes? Yeah. I'm not as well versed on vapes. But on, I, don't on, know. I don't know about cigarettes as well. On cigars and other things, what you're supposed to do is you're just supposed to take, draw it into your mouth taste yeah. it, and then exhale. It's nice. It's enjoyable. And it obviously, it can go into your lungs, but it's nowhere near as dangerous as some, say, cigarettes are. So it's yeah. just getting rid of all tobacco products because the government has decided, blanket, we don't want this anymore. The idea is to prevent future generations from smoking. Nine in 10 people say they started the habit before the age of 21, according to data from cancer research. Okay, I don't care. I know people who started right, They're smoking. adults. They can do what they want. I know people who started smoking at 12 years old, so it turns out that somehow, no, somehow sorry, they sorry. were able to get cigarettes anyway. No, at the age 21, people started, they're adults. Yeah, they're, they're grown-ups. Go to hell. I, sorry, we're adults at what in this country? 16 or 18, depending on your definition. I think 18, for smoking, it's 18. So what's this conversation? Yeah. Did you know people did things that are illegal? Yeah. Oh my God. What a shock. New Zealand's previous government wanted to have a sweeping crackdown on smoking, passing a law which meant that anyone born after 2008 would not be able to buy cigarettes or tobacco products in their lifetime. He also restricted where tobacco could be sold and reduced the level of nicotine in cigarettes. Then you've got other countries promoting this kind of policy. Mexico, which is known as a country with uh, an incorruptible government who only ever has the best interests of the population. And when you get it to countries like Mexico saying, we're doing this for your well-being, that's when you know that this is not a policy that is being promoted for anybody's well-being. This is being promoted for the interests and preferences of the elite class that we have ruling over us right now, who absolutely despise us and despise any freedoms that we are afforded. So... If honestly, at this point, if you get an entire global cabal of the worst individuals who possibly ever existed, the most corrupt politicians that I can think of, and they all say, you can't do this, this is bad, I start to think, yeah. maybe, maybe it's not as bad as you all want me to think it is. But that's my own personal musing, so don't take that as fact. Portugal also wants to have a smoke-free generation by 2040. Canada, everybody's favorite Canada, saving money for their healthcare system by killing you. And before you even die, you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes anymore. So you're not allowed those brief pleasures in life. We want you in top condition when we stick you in the suicide pod. Exactly. According to the World Health Organization, over one quarter of the world's population are covered by complete smoking bans in public places, workplaces, and public transport. 2007, just 10 countries had smoke policies. Today, it's 74. 
Ireland was the first country in the world to ban smoking in all indoor workplaces in 2004, including restaurants and bars. Once again, if, the, if an individual restaurant owner or bar or business wants to do this, if a, if a bus line doesn't want you doing that thing, that's their decision to do so. I think you should have the right <laughs> um, to make that decision yourself without the government saying. And I know that you two weak-willed pansies I literally, I literally agreed with you. But I don't want to smell of smoke when I get home. Great. Use the bus line that bans it. Go to the bar that bans it. <laughs> literally agreed with you. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> Do you not have enough enemies, Harry, that you can try and find some here? Um, in, in South America, <laughs> moving on, citizens of every country are now covered by anti-smoking laws. Uruguay, Paraguay, every single one of them. So this is something that's becoming a global initiative among Western nations. But in New Zealand, as I mentioned, they've decided, hey, let's not be quite as authoritarian and technocratic and managerial as we otherwise could be. Because they, as I mentioned, they've got a new right-leaning coalition government, which is made up of the National Party, of the, um, which is the centre-right party. Then they've also got the right-wing ACT party and the populist New Zealand First. They've had to come together to form a government and the National Party has agreed to repeal the smoking laws as part of its coalition deal with New Zealand First. In its election manifesto, the uh, populist party described nicotine as generally as safe as caffeine for adults, an argument that has been promulgated by big tobacco. I don't care who promulgated it, the government shouldn't be banning this. Big stuff. coffee thinks coffee's good for you. Well, that's the thing. You can equally make an argument that caffeine can cause other health issues. So if you allow them to take this one, what's it going to be next? It'll... It's just a waste of money. Well, I'll go on a whole rant if I had time. It's oh, yeah. just like, stop drinking coffee so much. Literally, if you drink it all the time, it has net zero effects. So what was the point? Just burn some cash. Eat. I like coffee. Yeah, but then have it to use. So you have it so every so often, so you get the caffeine hit. Like, well, I know people who actually have the coffee addictions, and it's just like, well, that was a waste of time and money. Well, interestingly enough, when I did my ancestry test and it came back with genetic traits, apparently I have a massive tolerance to caffeine, so I can drink basically as much of it you, as I want during the day. You need, the, you need it straight into the bloodstream. I, I do need it straight into the bloodstream. So I need at least four or five coffee, coffees a day. That's fair enough, then. So uh, yeah. to, to get a kick out of it, to get that energy from it. But that's the thing. They say a recent study showed that laws passed by Labour last year would have saved the healthcare system around 1.3 billion New Zealand dollary dues over the next two decades if implemented as planned. So that's all it is. Everything, everything that's part of your life, every freedom, every desire, every yeah. dream that you have has to be put before, put, sorry, uh, yeah, put before the all-knowing monolith, the all-important monolith of the healthcare system. That's what happened with COVID. That's what's happening with cigarettes. That's why we get so many migrants over because a lot of the visas are for health and social care so that they can come over here and provide subpar service for the natives. You just have but, a bad incident, really, hmm? recently. Did you like go to the NHS recently and they just couldn't even pronounce your name or something? Uh, I won't go into the details, but yes, I have had some uh, rather okay. poor service from the NHS recently, which has almost exclusively been provided by the very recent foreigners. So I, I do have a little bit of a bone uh, of an axe to grind here. Uh, I'll get into it then. I do want to ask um, this this Godfather looking guy. Is he the New Zealand First leader? Uh, I don't know. So New Zealand's Deputy Prime Minister, uh, I assume, because because it is points out that Christopher Luxon is on the right. So I assume 
that Winston Peters is the deputy prime minister. I just so I assume I love, he's the one on the left. I love the physiognomy check again, where it's like you know the center right guy is a bit mushy, and then the the quote unquote far right guy over here is just like serious. It looks like he's actually going to solve some problems. Yeah. Anyway, just some bigotry based on faces. I mean, that's physiognomy <laughs> check, really. You could call it vibe check, but also physiognomy check. And he's passed. So the National Party said its plans to use the revenue raised from increased tobacco sales to pay for its election promise to cut income taxes after New Zealand first blocked the plan to allow foreign buyers back into the New Zealand housing market. Prime Minister Christopher Luxon told New Zealand Radio on Monday that reducing the number of stores allowed to sell cigarettes could make them a massive magnum for ram raids and crime and boost the black market for cigarettes. I can see the logic there. Not a very good one. No, no, no. He's saying that if you're reducing, because the original legislation from Labour was also to reduce, not just to make it illegal for people born pa- uh, past a certain year to right. buy this, also to reduce the areas and the shops, right. how many of them. So that does mean that some of those shops would probably become a bit more of a target. It's rather a loose, but I can see the logic there. Mm. And uh, Acts Deputy Leader Brooke Van, he- Van Velden last year called the new measures nanny state prohibition. What's going on? He, he, whenever he just is like listening, but wants to be known that he's listening, he goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm told it's mimetic. Yeah, it is. It's a good meme. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. And also, as you can imagine, uh, supposed health experts are crying about this. They're saying, no, no, you can't let these people smoke their cigarettes. This is a bad thing. I don't care. Continue to cry, cope, seethe, dilate, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Non-smokers. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. And um, now uh, I, I've got to ask, can we get the same thing here, please? Can Rishi Sunak not be an insane, demented midget and uh, do something that's good for the I country? Or will he continue to be a terrible, bland, horrible, embarrassing leader? Well, Probably the latter. He's the local manager of the UK branch. Mm-hmm. With that, we'll move to the video comments. So let's begin. Hi, hello, Desiders. Haven't really been in my studio that much, and it's been very annoying, so I'm really glad to be back here today. Hope everything's treating you guys well. I like the um, the, the Godfather painting. Hmm, that's was interesting. That, was that Godfather 2? I can't remember now. Which uh, reverse the footage. Enhance. Hip clop. Let's move to the next I need one. to see what was the what was the Godfather two? What was the Godfather one? So you're talking about the Oh, are you talking oh the the horse's head. Yeah, that's the yeah. first one. Right, yes. Very good. I've oh, been good. Hope you are. Let's uh, go to the next one. This doesn't have any audio, I'm told, so my response to Mary Beard's claim about women in history and a potential epochs. And then there's a list of people. I can't read that name. Madagascan King, the, the lunatic, yeah. Well, she was became mad. queen after her husband died prematurely, ruled as queen for 33 years, used forced labor as tax payment to complete public work projects, continued wars of expansion, reduced economic and political ties with European power, subjected those accused of practicing Christianity to a trial by ordeal. Madagascar's population was reduced from a million in 1833 to 2.5 million in 1839 during her reign. Yeah. From five oh, so, sorry, from five million. Yeah, halved. So halved. Well, she, she was proper bonkers. I mean, she was just killing people in outlandish ways. I was, I was told if we had only female rulers, then the entire world would be singing hymns and holding hands together, though. Yeah, but we tried that recently in Europe, and they just immediately invaded everywhere and start wars. Yeah. So 
oh, right, basically, this, this is well, good. I've been watching this series. It makes me look good, which is easy, but yes, watch this one. Um, am I alive? You suddenly find yourself standing on an unknown beach. As you search your memory for how you got here, you find nothing but a bright flash and a sudden sensation of falling upwards. However, you are left with a strange feeling that several hours have passed since then. Connor, don't ever do anything like that again. What was I supposed to do? He doubted my God. Okay, Callum, no more doubting God. I bet your God can't make me leader of North Korea. Where the hell are we? Roll for a perception check. That's an 18. You're in France. Damn it, Connor! <laughs> right, yes. So anyway, if you go to the Based Ape YouTube channel, there's like a whole series. And basically, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I think that you've You've come as a pirate, and I think you've come as I a, am a pirate. You've come as a cleric, but Connor has also come as a cleric, but you end up looking quite different. Well, Callum's you, not you come that as an kind austere cleric. cleric. And actually, Connor isn't that different da, to how da, Connor actually is. Da, Dan, may I say yes. that the AI voice work on this, yes. for you in particular, is shockingly good, and you seem very eager about this whole thing. Have you been surreptitiously I only recording found out about vocal lines. Night. No, I only found out about Have it Have you been recording night. it for base tape? No. Because you want to look good and show everybody how cool you are. Well, I mean, being the embarrassing thing. uncle of the channel that you are. I wouldn't say embarrassing uncle. <laughs> Alright, before we start any more fights, uh, we'll go to the written comments on the site. <laughs> no, no, we got Sophie. Oh, we do. She's been, she's been travelling again. She travels a lot, Sophie. And here I am in Krakow, Poland, and they're doing... That they are not with the time, but I gotta say I do prefer that to the Palestine protests. I, I do. I want to go back to that. That's fine. Apparently, they've been doing that every single day since the start of the invasion, and everyone in Poland calls uh, Putin Putla. And can't read the last line because there's a camera. In the Easy way. to protest whenever you th everyone agrees with you. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. That Poland hasn't got the memo. You're not supposed to care about Ukraine anymore. It's a, a got to be Gaza, Palestine, Israel. Yeah. Well, it's on their borders, so it's more important than... Well, actually, is isn't a million miles away. So that's... I do like Krakow. That's quite good. She didn't tell us, though, and I don't know, because maybe you hadn't visited it yet, but how was the Christmas market? Because I got told it was the best in Europe and then missed it, and I'm jealous that you're there. But anyway, we should go to the written comments on the site. So, the Shadow Band has decided to donate 10 buckaroos and say, here's a tenner for the moderators who have to deal with this chat. So uh, I suppose well, that's Pete, then, isn't it? We, we owe Pete. God Daisy bless you, Pete. And Daisy. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. Uh, on Ireland doubling down. So some guy says Paddy lives matter. Mostly peaceful riots. It certainly is. <laughs> Matt says later in the interview, the proud migrant said there needs to be integration, but not integration of immigrants into the old Ireland. She literally said that the Irish need to be integrated into the new Ireland to not be racist. It's disgraceful. Ireland is our home and we won't give, uh, surrender it to an international home. We won't stand for Londonistanation of Ireland. So, yeah, good, good. I mean, if anyone's going to defend themselves, it's you guys. And if you uh, fail, then what hope have the rest of us got? So, Big Ed says, surprise, the Irish government hasn't realized yet that people coming out and protesting is uh, preferable. preferable to the Irish returning to their default position on foreigners on their soil for most of the 20th century. Yeah, I did like that there were a lot of people being like, dude, Ireland is a nation of immigrants. And you just go and check a single Irish nationalist song, and all <laughs> of them have words in them that are like, death to the foreigners, remove the foreigners. 
Yes. Like, remove kebab vibes. I mean, they're, they're trying to make that same argument for Dublin. Dublin was built by foreigners. No, a few Vikings <laughs> a longhouse there. Average migrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Viking invaders put a few bases there and then buggered off to Iceland. I mean, built by immigrants. Um, Gaelic and Nordic have nothing in common, so... I mean, it yeah. really does mean nothing. Also, I do love that whenever they say, oh, was built by immigrants, this part of the British Isle was immigrants, this part of Britain was immigrants, this part of Ireland was immigrants, and you look at the locations where all of these immigrants were coming from. Small circle. It's a <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny little circle, which is mostly a bit of Brittany, some of the coastal lines of Scandinavia, and that's it. So I've been following this debate unfold, and you, you kind of get the impression that nobody in Europe did anything until a black person turned up and then all of a sudden it's like thank god he's here we can start building cities what, and what, roads and what's amazing is all that energy that they put into building our civilizations yes um, they never returned to their own civilizations which is why you know yes. Wood huts and such when we got there because they you know they expended all of it they they yes. ran out of ideas after they'd built europe is this uh and stonehenge uh, you'll know better than me there's that narrative of like before the Romans came to England, they didn't even have farming, the dirty Celts. Like, it's just uh, a lowland. The, the Romans would tell each other about the, the mess that was the British Isles. Well, that sounds like um, Roman propaganda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it probably is obviously true. There's, you know, what do you want with our tents when you've got all of Rome? But the opposite is obviously the case now. But the story is told yet again that England was basically still living in rubble after the war, 12 years after the war had ended. Mm -hmm. And then Windrush came. Yeah. And saved us. Well, well, Windrush was um, three years after the war and was not what we're told it was. And then it was only really in the late 1950s after we'd already rebuilt the country. Because as you, as you say, we hadn't sat around for 13 years. Well, I forgot how to build. Go, go, well, uh, like and, going, and, and also, you the... know what? I'm finally tired of sleeping on my bed of bricks tonight. I think we need to import Africans and West Indians so the, that we can rebuild the, it. The entirety of that post-war immigration surge doesn't even come close to a single um, quarter of immigration. In fact, I, in fact I, I think it might not even come up to a month of current immigration. And there's, there's... Like, The point is it's the starting point, the new world. I mean, I think yeah. it was David Lammy who said that his family came to Britain to rebuild it, and his family didn't arrive till the 60s. Yes. So, well, bro, there's, there's, none of this means anything. There's another two things about that narrative, which is one, that when they did start to arrive, most of them were being employed by Transport for London, who were asking for extra staff members to uh, undercut the union. Yeah. The unions and fill in positions in bus driving and, uh, met, uh, and in the underground. And uh, two... We were so overpopulated with native Brits who didn't have any jobs to go to because they were all filled up that we were paying them a tenner to go to Australia. <laughs> so I doubt we needed these people desperately. And most of the comments in Ireland, I think, are pretty much uh, in agreement. So it's, it's, it's not much fun to read. Oh, bye, Dan. <laughs> so I hope that's not getting on camera. Dan's, Dan's just being sick in the corner. If you guys can hear that, he's... <laughs> oh, God. Britain's healthiest man is speaking over there. And we've been sat in a closed room with him for over an hour now. It, it's all right, I'm, I'm fine. I'm the picture of bloody health. Don't worry about me. 
You look great, mate. What do you yeah, think? no, I'm I'm perfectly all right. Dan's Dan's oozing. Give me a beer and I'll be fine. Right now. All right, I'll read the last one here. Taffy yeah. Duck in Ireland. Pattern recognition is a crime. Notice the pattern that the politicians are always at the forefront of destroying our own lands. Act accordingly. Good advice. Anyway, mm. moving on. So on Tommy, Derek Power says, so Tommy Robinson is banned from London, yet Hamas supporters are allowed in. Got it. <clears throat> Pretty fun, isn't it? Rue the Day says, banning a man from his own capital city, huh? Almost sounds like prosecuting a trespasser for entering private property. Well, that's a good way of putting it. I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Certainly is true. Kevin Fox says, could have been worse. At least the mayor didn't get their request to keep him in custody until his court appearance. How long would he have been in custody if they had to move him to a prison holding? Uh, no doubt full of radical Islamists. Well, they did keep him for 24 hours either way for being himself. Which, I mean, I, I mean, it's already ridiculous that if you're Tommy Robinson, that's a crime. But to be held for 24 hours, I mean, I, when do you stop being Tommy Robinson? How many more days do we have to hold you exactly? El yeah. uh, Quirky says, uh, Tommy Robinson... Is the situation where your king could step in? He could. Not gonna. Yes. JJHW says, Dan, he's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Well, he would appear that way to us until it properly manifests. What are you expecting to happen? I, I'm ex- I, I've, I've got a theory, and I reckon I'm going to be proved more right as time goes by. British government is going to publicly execute Tommy Robinson and then three days later he's going to come back to life it d- it doesn't and then ascend to heaven. Well, he, like, As I pointed out, he's already been like resurrected. I'm, I'm just in it, that episode it's, it's, it's of the not, It's not going to be a, a carbon copy. I'm just saying that I just think, you know, you, you just want to keep an eye on this one. You know that gif of the man in front of the whiteboard going <laughs> really quite fast? <laughs> I'm guessing. Did you, those did you read five... the Baron von Warhawk one? Bro, you need to have fewer fever dreams. At, at, at this point, the UK government has gone after Tommy so much, I'm surprised they haven't crucified him already. Okay, just because you're giving other people your sickness doesn't mean it's not nonsense. Sophie says, Well, the story of Jesus is a story about mob mentality and how the mob just follows and wishes a man be crucified, but don't know why. It's just what everyone else says. And well, it's just a phenomenon we see with humans over and over. The story is really, really good at portraying human behavior like that. Hell, I mean, J.K. Rowling is Jesus. No, J.K. Rowling is not Jesus. No, sorry, Liv. That's oh, ridiculous. Sorry, that's weird. That's dumb. No. They, they love her, and then on a dime, they hate her, and they want to crucify her. Don't know why. No, you've gone off script, so No, no, no. You, you, were, you were good at the beginning, but... She blasphemed against the Church of Robinson. J- Yes. Okay. Good. I, I, well, we don't have a church of. Ooh. Are you thinking? Yes. Okay. Well, while on that, we'll move on to New Zealand, I suppose. Mm. So then we don't have to listen to what's going to. All right. Grant, Gib- Grant Gibson says, I'm with Dan. I remember smoking in restaurants and public spaces. It was awful. Oh. There's something to the idea that having a smoking section in a venue is like having a peeing section at the pool. Weak. Critical comment from Ron Swansea. Harry, you're dead wrong about smoking because it fouls the common air we all breathe. Okay, well, similarly in that case, people drinking alcohol fouls my uh, fouls the environment because they're likely to get into trouble. They're more likely to start fighting. So I guess we ban that. That's a bit tenuous. That's, that doesn't make any sense. It is tenuous, but still. <laughs> 
Okay. Would you like some time to think on this one? <laughs> yeah. So, well, there's arguments that you can make for anything like that, realistically speaking. It's one, not the same, though. Okay, okay, I don't care. Once again, this is an expression of nanny state ideas of, ooh, oh my God, this thing doesn't like, I don't like this thing, so the government has to fix it for me. No, these people are wanting the government to fix their problems for them. And to, and to do that, they are trying to restrict other people's freedoms. I don't care if you don't like the fouls, the common air we all breathe. It's my opinion that people should be allowed, well, businesses should be allowed to um, manage it themselves, decide themselves. Mm. Well, I, if I you can't... want to smoke, that's fine. Don't exhale into the air and we have no choice but to share. Don't exhale into the air. <laughs> also, smoking is gay, bro. Slow. If you want a tube in your hands and to suck on something, do it in the bedroom. That's a very childish comment right there. Also, I'm, I don't adhere to any sort of Freudian ideas where I look at a man smoking a cigarette and going, you must be sucking a cock. That's Wait, you. what? What? That's, that's what he was implying at the end there. Was he? Oh, is this like the oral fixation joke? Yeah. Be honest, I've never really got that. Well, to be honest, it was a Norma Gall joke, so I probably... All right. Yeah. Be taken seriously. JJHW, ban cousin marriage and save the NHS. Fair point. Le French whiskey, we've banned smoking indoors because virtually all bars, restaurants, and other public businesses allowed smoking and because secondhand smoking had a visible impact on people's health. I don't care if you're smoking, just don't force me to passively smoke with you, mate. Okay, well, once again, you don't have to go to those places then. I'm, I'm sorry, you can choose to separate yourself from those people. If it's the bars, if it's the restaurants. There, there is a difference, though, because it's, it's a cultural aspect. So the problem with... Um because I, I don't know how bad it was back in the olden days as well. Yeah. But if you go to Serbia, like you won't find a place that doesn't smoke indoors. So if you don't want that, you are kind of buggered culturally. Okay. And if it went back the other way now, none of them would allow it because, again, it would be the path of least resistance. Yeah. So, yes. Kevin Fox, in the 90s, the government dedicated 25% of the revenue from tobacco products to the NHS. This is where the government plans will cripple the public, switch everyone from fossil fuels to renewables, ban all tobacco products, no doubt. Next will be alcohol. Great if everybody ends up healthier apart from the mass depression. But where are the governments going to get the revenue from? Petrol, tobacco, and alcohol duties make up a very large part of government funding. Stop them, and the only option is to increase taxes. Oh yeah, you will own nothing because you won't have enough left after tax to buy anything. Once again, this is part of the program where realistically they're going to incre incrementally restrict more and more of your freedoms so that they can manage you to death. There is a conversation I didn't, I want, didn't know if I wanted to bring up, but have you seen the Yes Minister sketch on banning smoking? Uh, no, I haven't. I think it's back in the 60s when it was filmed, right? So right. They, they come up with the idea and Sir Humphrey just laughs at it and then makes the argument, well, look, everyone's smoking is saving us money. Not only do they pay loads of money, when they have to pay the smoking tax, but then they die early. So we don't have to pay any uh, pensions or anything. Yeah, when you put it like that, you would expect that the Canadian healthcare services would be all for it, right? Smoke all you Cigarette want. vending machines in primary schools, that sort of thing. Is this the economist in you talking? I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, Namby, Pamby, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I believe that adults <laughs> have the right to make their own decisions <laughs> within reason. Are we rowing back now? I don't know how ANCAP you want to be like, I'm, I'm pro, I th maybe the guy in Argentina, he's like, I'm pro for transitioning children and giving them cigarettes. Because yes. I can make money off them. State mandated well, and cigarettes. <laughs> mandated. Unless, unless you're pro giving toddlers nuclear weapons, you're basically a socialist. Yeah. Although I did always kind of agree with the argument of why can't I sell my kids? 
Because they're your kids. I think that would set up some pretty perverse incentives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's the same with my organs. Like, they're my organs. I, once again, I think that would set up some pretty perverse incentives. What if it's not you who's going to end up selling your organs? What's, what's, the, what's the barrier for entry for selling organs? I wasn't making a serious political point. I just found the argument funny. Can you I, not sell organs? I don't, I don't believe can. so. Let me check where you can. I know you can donate can, them. Can I yes. sell my organs? Furious Dan, I recall that the British have a different word for cigarette, which has been banned for quite some time already. True. What, fag? Yes. We're allowed to say that, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. we're British. Smoke a fag. Yeah. So yeah, you, you bum a fag. No, that's yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, no, the, no. The Americans, um, the Americans have a very different understanding of the word fag. Also, you have to be very careful when you're talking about liking the BBC in America because they they just have a completely different conception of. This is your porn obsession shining through. Well, I don't again. like the BBC. I don't like it at all. No, neither do I. Yeah. Although I don't think I have quite as much experience with it as you do. Sophie Liv, what I love about these smoking bans is they happen simultaneously with the same people legalizing so many drugs. So I just pick one, please. Ban or legalize. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point, actually, that as governments seemingly are getting softer and softer when it comes to marijuana, I've even seen on YouTube some adverts for legalized cannabis in the UK uh, for medicinal purposes. They're getting stricter and stricter on tobacco. Very strange, quite suspicious. So um, Australia and Singapore, it's... Uh Legalized that you get legal monetary compensation for giving your organs. So there we are. Apparently, Iran also has them, but they're a bit more strange. Hector Rex, is New Zealand going to start banning hobnobs and sausage rolls to reduce the fatty straining the healthcare system? Good point. Yeah. Good point. I guess we're also going to have to have state, yep. state mandated showers because people who don't shower, they're polluting my air. We, 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 sh- we should smell bad. No, but we should kind of. I don't, I don't know if you want to ban fat people, but you want to find some way of, inco- of disencouraging it, don't you? I think also we're going to have to, to ban music at venues uh, and pubs because there might not be people who want to listen to that music, so it's a noise pollution for them. Yeah. I don't know. There's a line here somewhere. Yes. I do, I do love the idea of just banning fatties. What would you do with the fatties? Well, you would probably put them into... You know how the Taliban put heroin addicts into camps? To shave their heads. Yeah, we shave their heads. And there was the South Park episode, I believe, where they get put into fat camp. And it's like it's portrayed with an overbearing, angry German man making them do pull-ups. That's tolerance camp, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's tolerance camp. But you could do something similar with fat camp. Uh. Big D... My auntie was given infected blood by the NHS, and which caused her liver problems. I'm really sorry to hear that. She had to go for treatment once a month to keep on top of this. The treatment was stopped during the lockdowns, and when restarted, it was too late, and she was in liver failure and needed a transplant. She never got the transplant and died a couple of weeks ago. God bless the NHS. I'm, that's, uh, that's really shit. That's man. awful. That's really awful. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm, but remember, at least people, at least 14-year-olds can't smoke anymore, ever. Or buy tobacco products ever that is for the rest a of their lives. Example of how screwed up our, our NHS is. That they, they they let that happen. So they 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 their ridiculous policies give her that problem in the first place, and then having created it, we get into the panic of COVID and they just stop her treatments. And it's like, oh yeah, no, we got a new we got a new thing at the moment. So yeah, yeah. And Geordie Swordsman says what I'm thinking, which is they'll come for alcohol before long. I was at the shops this morning and saw a big billboard with a tumor on it saying alcohol causes seven types of cancer. This is complete bollocks, by the by. 
It can raise the certain risk of certain cancers in conjunction with a myriad of other factors and predispositions, but it by no means causes them. Are they really going to ban alcohol, though? Don't they want us on alcohol, porn, and video games where we don't we don't? No, they want anyone. you on weed, porn, and video games. Right. Alcohol, alcohol is don't like weed. Alcohol is too disruptive. Yes, maybe. But it's definitely my bigotry when it comes to drugs. It's just like I'd rather you'd be a drunk than alcohol than a, a person who smokes weed twenty four seven. Yeah. Even when you're drunk, you say things that are funny. I mean, stoners are just they're just boring. Well, that's, well, that's the thing. It's, it it makes you lazier. It makes you lazier, and it does genuinely. If you have predispositions to certain uh, conditions like schizophrenia, will uh, make it more likely that you will develop schizophrenia. And even if you are a normal person, it will mess your memory up. And it will give you brain fog that doesn't subside when you're sober. You will be well, and, and, and more than, you'll be more useless for doing. My, my my bigger concern is it just makes you boring. Yeah, that's fair. On and like, remember that's fine. Tobacco, no. If you would uh, like to see more, come back. Otherwise, we're out of time. So um, oh, yeah. bye. Cheerio, chaps. <laughs>